Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hello, I'm Gail. And I'm Catherine. We are the active voice of Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and we're delighted to welcome you to today's episode. Each week, we showcase vital women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s who continue to shatter the myths that we become invisible as we age. The 30-minute conversation with our guest focuses on several themes that we've agreed upon in advance. So our guest today is Pat Honeyotis. Pat is 73, and she was referred to us by Kamala Murphy. Kamala, if you're listening, keep sending us guests because each one is wonderful. Pat is 73, as I said, formerly of Phoenix, Arizona, and she now lives in a 62-year-older community in Los Angeles, California. If you were to watch any of her straight talk videos, you would know she is equal parts irreverent rascal who loves to have fun, and a kick-butt coach who supports her people to take risks for their dreams. She's a business consultant coach. She's a business consultant coach with a master's in counseling and psychology, as well as being board certified as a medical hypnoanalyst. Pat is the creator of her signature program, the 80-Hour Workweek Cure, and author of the Practical Guide to Figuring Yourself Out, How to Go from Stuck to Star of Your Life. Pat, it's a pleasure to welcome you to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Gail, it's a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome. You know, I'm so curious about your early years. Were you always (laughs) irreverent? (laughs) When, When did you know you wanted to be a psychologist? I think I came out irreverent and rascally, which is what I've been told um, my whole life, that I just, you know, I was kind of a petunia in an onion patch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that kind of behavior, the behavior and things that people have, have fascinated me from the time I was a kid. And I think it all started, uh, my, my journey to this all started with my sister, who's nine years younger. And she was severely mentally retarded. And in those days, I mean, there was nothing for these kids. In addition to which, my mother was rather incapable of handling her and raising her. So I did until I was about 15. But what I realized is that I'm a voice for the voiceless, or at least I speak to them until we can teach them to speak for themselves. You know, I ended up then going into uh, secondary special education which was unheard of at the time. And two other people and I actually wrote the program at the university as we went along, or at the very least had a lot of input into it. Um, you know, when I, when, when I started teaching at an inner city school, it was the first year for special ed there. Mm. And that in and of itself was challenging but fun. But, you know, some of the times our kids would need the, the services of a, of a school psychologist or counselor. And they would just throw up their, their hands and say, we don't know what to do with them, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So I ended up getting my master's degree in counseling psych and did what I could to fill that hole. 
So it's always been and continues to be just being there for those that need to have a voice for a period of time. I was very interested at when, when Catherine was speaking earlier about people becoming invisible as they age. And that's, that's one of my things is I'm not allowing that to happen for as many people as I can. But it's really extending to not allowing people to become invisible or stay invisible at any age. Yeah, that, you know, that is really brings me back to my early years. Um, I raised a child who was mentally challenged and um, actually he was behaviorally challenged. And so uh, there were not people like you that we could find who really, really cared and, and, and would spend the time that was necessary to help him. So what you, this lifelong work of yours is really so important. And uh, I congratulate you for staying with it and feeling about it the way that you do even today. Where did you grow up? Where did I grow up? In Arizona? No, actually, uh, Arizona was just my last stop. I grew up in Grand Island, Nebraska. Really? Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, I kiddingly say, although there's some truth to it, is it's a great place to be from. You know, it's just, it just, it just wasn't, it just wasn't my vibe. And from there, you know, I went to teach at the high school in Joliet, Illinois. And one of my fondest, you know, one of my fondest memories there are all, because it was so early in the field of special ed, I got to touch on every single disability there was as a first-year teacher, from the, quotes behaviorally disordered, to the physically handicapped, to the heart, deaf and hard of hearing, to the men. I mean, it was awesome to have all of that. And I have to tell you, one of my favorites were the behaviorally disordered, because I could so identify with those rascals. It just, they just make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so uh, all this time while you were teaching and all, what, what else was happening in your life? I was at the same time doing a lot more learning. Um, I was always looking for tools that I could learn in order to support other people. That's where the, the certification in medical hypnoanalysis came in. Um, you know, I, I can do things like Reiki and a Reiki master teacher. I'm always looking for tools that we can use to support other people. Pat, can you tell us more about medical hypno, what that medical hypnoanalyst, what does that in, encompass? There's a lot out there about using hypnotherapy. Mm-hmm. This goes a step beyond that. And basically what we were doing, and we can still do actually, is we're doing, um, we're doing analysis. We were doing therapy with the use of hypnosis. And it, it, um, it followed a medical model. You know, it was about taking a history. It was about doing lab tests in the medical model. So the lab tests would look, things like, look like things like dream analysis and word association tests. And then we would bring it all together so that you know the client could understand it but the thing is is when you're working with hypnosis in a therapy situation like that you're working directly with the subconscious part of the mind Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so adding the therapy to the hypnosis was just magical it 
sped things up, people could get it quicker because of the depth at which we were working. Yeah, thank you. Are you still practicing? You know, yes and no, which means I don't do it formally as my full-time um, business. I don't market it. And I use 97% of the techniques there in what I'm doing now because a lot of it is just knowing how to phrase words, knowing how to talk directly to the subconscious part of the mind. So from that aspect, yes, I am, but I'm not really doing formal hypnosis. Mm -hmm. So you're, bring, you're bringing it into your work as a business consultant and coach? Yes, okay. yes. Mm -hmm. And the underlying thing for all of that is, is what we were talking about before is making the invisible visible, reminding people of who they are. And you can do that really effectively and maybe even more subtly so they can get it better if you're using some of those techniques, knowing mm -hmm. how to talk directly to the subconscious mm -hmm. mind, that kind of thing. Fascinating. Yeah. Yes. yes. So, so tell us, how did you, what made you decide to become a business consultant and coach? <laughs> Everything that's happened to me has been an accident, and I've got that in quotations. <laughs> um, <laughs> it really was never a decision. It's just kind of what happened as, as life progressed. You know, I went from medical hypnoanalysis into more of a general practice by accident. More and more people were coming to me and finding me through the door that I call business. They would come to me because the difficulties they were experiencing was happening in their business. Mm -hmm. And so it was, it was just about taking the, you know, what was being presented in and putting it in a context that they needed it. Right. Yes. So which came first, the 80-hour workweek cure or the practical guide to figuring yourself out? <laughs> the practical guide to figuring yourself out came first. It was... Um, you know, I just think people do so much better when they understand some things. Not that that's all of it, but if they can have some tools to use to understand themselves better, one of the things I've found is, is they're less judgmental on themselves. You know, it gives them permission to be who they are and to forgive themselves and to go past what they've been told or lies that they've been living. And so that was the very first thing. And that was a way that people could do it by themselves, at least initially. Does that make sense? A lot of people don't want to go see a, quote, shrink or anything, but this was steps that they could take and some tools to use that they didn't necessarily need a therapist or a coach for to begin with. Yeah, would the, would the, your guide be relevant to people regardless of life stage? For example, women who are trying to figure out what, you know, I've now I retired and, and what next and yep. who, who do I want to become? Yeah. Okay. Because what it really does is get down to their essence. This is who I am. And at our age, it's just a matter of maybe perhaps using that knowledge, using our wisdom, using just in a different direction. So I may not go to the office every day, right? But there's other ways to use who we are when we're visible to ourselves and then get permission to use our voice, absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah. 
That makes sense. Absolutely. How did the 80-hour work week cure come around? I was enrolled in a, in a course oh, probably five or six years ago now. And the whole idea of that course was to tap into our own gifts, talents, and abilities, as well as wisdom and experience, by the way, to develop a course that was uniquely ours that, well, I quite frankly, people would be, be willing to pay some high dollars for because it was that rich. And so it was through that process that um, I, came up with, I came up with this with some support. It was um, guided. It was, you know, edited and talked through with, you know, experts in the field of business, but also experts in the field of naming it and getting it out there and really bringing value and quality to it. So it came from a, it came from a group course that I joined. Mm-hmm. So describe it to us. What does it mean? <laughs> it's fun. It's really, it's really about those folks. And I, for whatever reason, it, mostly primarily women entrepreneurs are interested in it is we've all started our businesses and we do everything ourselves. At least that's been my experience. You know, we're the bookkeeper, we're the, um, we're the ad writers, we're the con- we do everything ourselves. And then as we grow and our business grows, we have a tendency to stay in that lane until it gets, it gets overwhelming and we're just doing everything. Mm-hmm. So this is about... Um, Usually it's for, like I said, women, and they're, they're, they're the cool women. They're the smart, sassy, savvy ones that just are temporarily stuck, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's about dealing with those issues that they've been reluctant to deal with. You know, how, do, how do I delegate? How do I get the people to delegate to? Um, what about my communication skills? Why did I get myself in this place anyway? And when you start clearing that and you start understanding how you got where you're at, then, then you're not likely to go back there. But the other thing is you're seeing who you are and what your lane is. And so that's where some of the deep work comes in for those that want to go there. Mm-hmm. And they start to learn to, all right, here's, here's my stuck spot. It might be communication. It might, whatever it is. And we really do some deep work with this. Initially, I'm working with them three hours a week, you know, at different times, not all at once. But they're really getting into the heart of it. And what begins to happen is they're clearing away or delegating away or stuff that isn't really in their lane, isn't in their genius zone. When that happens, they begin to see opportunities for themselves to really dive into their program, their genius, their area. Mm-hmm. And we end up developing a program for them that they can then go ahead and sell for thousands of dollars, but still bring real value, right? And really from the heart, from the soul work. It's, you know, it's, it's closely tied to, you know, there's my work that we're talking about here, but I'm also very closely associated with um, another mission in common called the Courageous Messenger. And that's all about developing these programs and then finding your voice and becoming visible and making you and your message visible in the world and supporting people to do that. 
And so the 80-hour work week here, is that a piece of this? Actually, they're, they're kind of two separate programs, but a lot of the 80-hour work week cure concepts and that, that I developed, I'm bringing and sharing with the Courageous Messenger group as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it's a combination of things. See, that's what's exciting about it. We've got, you know, it's a shared mission. And when we each brings our gifts, talents, and abilities together, then magic happens. It's just, I get excited about this. It's just so magical to watch these people become visible guys and start speaking their truth and bring some really cool things to the world. So is most of this work that you're doing online? Um, actually, it's a group program. Um, so part of it is group and then just worksheets that we come together on, you know, every so often, actually maybe every couple of weeks. So, no, it's not really online. It's on Zoom. We work with them individually. Yeah, that's what I mean. Right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, yes, of course. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's pretty different from the in-person work that you were doing, right? That was right. That was so intense working one-on-one with someone. Yeah, it's still, there's still some one-on-one work involved. Um, so, it's like I said, it's a magical combination of all the things that, you know, we've been doing or I've been doing for years. It's, that's what I love about it. I never get bored. <laughs> Pat, I'm, I'm just to clarify, the Courageous Messenger, is, is that a program that you've created or a program that you participate in? I'm not quite sure what that is. It is a program to where um, I have a shared mission with two other gentlemen. And it was really created initially by Jeffrey Van Dyke. And now what we're doing is the three of us are collaborating with our team, by the way, and bringing all of our, especially the three of us, bringing our all different genius areas to one place. What I bring to this mission is entirely different than what the other two bring. And it's really an opportunity to learn how to collaborate and see how all these things fit together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds sounds great. How, How do you know Kamala Murphy? Kamala was, I was mentoring Kamala for a while, and I, I know she has said that, so it's okay for me to say that out. Yes. Mm-hmm. But, that, but that mentorship for me has turned in, into a friendship, and I will tell you, and I love this when I work with people, is, you know what, they teach me as much as I teach them. And Kamala was a real mentor for me in learning how to slow down a bit because I have a tendency to get a little bit wound up and, and go, you know, you're probably experiencing that right now. Okay. But with her, that was, she was a great mentor for me for that, to slow down, make sure everybody's on the same track, that kind of thing. So I really thank her for that. But we ended up, that's how we met was through that mentorship program. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's great. That's could you tell us about your straight talk videos? Oh, those are so much fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, you're eager to listen to those, see those. Um, yeah, they're, they're, on my, they're weekly on my Facebook, and then there's a way you can go to YouTube and subscribe. Okay. But what they are, it's this one of the things, oh, I get so excited when I talk about this, <laughs> is that, all right, I'm just, let me just put it to you. I call myself the locale coach. 
And the reason I call myself the low-cal coach is because I don't sugarcoat stuff. It's direct. It's straight. Let's get her done. Let's get in there, get it done. It doesn't mean I don't have a heart or that any, it just means let's just get to it. We don't need all the sugar sweetness around it or quite frankly, all the BS around it. Let's just go for it. So what straight talk is, it's a, it's a short video that we're putting out once a week. The shortest one I have is 16 seconds. And I will tell you that is the one that we've got the most hits on anything. And the longest one is probably a minute to a minute and a half at the very longest. And they're just short and sweet. And so one of the ones that <laughs> one of the ones that is so much fun is I just look straight into the camera and I say, you know, all those things you've been wanting to do, go do it. And it's just reminders. And it's not couched in anything. And it, it can really hit home sometimes. Now there are others, of course, that are much or, or a bit longer than that. But that's what it's just straight talk. Not, no, no frills, no fancy, you know, to-dos around it. It's just what it is. Nice. That's nice. Yeah. So uh, if someone wants to find you, how do they do that? That's a good question, and there's several ways. So I am on Facebook, and it's just, it's just Pat Honeyotis. There are... Um, there are other ways you can reach me. Like you can reach me through my email, and that is pat, P A T, at pathoneyotis.com. You better spell honeyotis for our listeners H O N I O T E S. Good. Good. I have another question for you, Pat, um, that you live in a community of people who are 62 and older and I'm right. and many of our listeners are interested in where do I live next how do I make those decisions and can you talk tell us about your decision to to live there <laughs> that's funny and the reason it's funny is because I've decided to not live here anymore <laughs> <laughs> okay tell us about that <laughs> So here's the thing, it's, it's, a lovely, it's a lovely building with all the amenities, and, and I get it. And I thought that was at my next place. And like I said, it's lovely. What I've learned, especially in, you know, being in this isolation, is that regardless of age, it's just not my vibe. And so I think it's not necessarily a decision of just where, because I'm 72 or 73 now. It's about also tying into the energy. That's how I make those decisions. But I also had to try it and see. And I'm clear that this just isn't for me. What about it isn't for you? What are you noticing most? I'm not old. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm not old. And a lot of, a lot of the people here, the love it, are old. By the same token, my best friend here is 90, and she's not old. Mm -hmm. just a different vibe it's it's more about having <clears throat> I don't know how to explain this I'm just not old I don't do what old people do and I don't think the way old people think and so are you saying that the majority of folks there are 
are not as active as you are or not as, as still working like we are? Uh, them, most of them are not still working. They're not, and they're probably, they're not as active. Oh, and I just got the connection, ladies. I feel a little bit like I did when I was a kid. Remember when I told you I was always the petunia and the onion patch? I just didn't fit because the, the rascally, so that's kind of what it's like here now. And I just got that. Mm -hmm. it's, it's all well, it's all good. It's just the petunia and the onion patch thing. And I need to go find some petunias. Yeah, I, I think that that's a really important message to impart because, as Catherine said, so many older people or people in their 70s, six, late 60s, 70s, are thinking about group uh, living of one sort or another. And, um, and so this, this, this is a really good example of you have to feel good where you live. Yes. You, you have to feel that you're in the right, right zone. Yeah. And, and uh, for some people it works very well. And as you're finding out for you, it does not. So what are you thinking about doing next then? I will find a community that is pro probably all ages. Um, I, I don't want to go back to owning homes and all of that. Those drive me crazy because I have to worry about light bulb changes and all that. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. So I will go where in a community where there's just more ages, um, more more activities that aren't so grounded in age specific. Um, here's here's the thing. It's so easy for us to tie into the norm. This is what I'm supposed to do when I'm 72. This is what I'm supposed to do when I'm 82. You know, and and I just call BS on that. It's where you are in your heart, in your energy. That's where you go. That's where you go. And that's what keeps you young, by the way. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. And it's, you know, that visibility thing is just, I will tell you, there's some people here that have writing skills and storytelling skills that are out of this world. Um, I'm looking for an opportunity to get them on stage because mm. they can be seen and they have so much wisdom to share. But too many times they've been put down. Well, you're, you're 97. You can't do that. <laughs> One of the things my, my daughter said to me when I moved to California is she said, you're 70 years old. What do you mean you're moving to California? My response was, well, how old would I be if I didn't move? <laughs> you know? What I'm saying is age really has nothing to do with it. Which is why we interview women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s so that we can show the world that their age has nothing to do with it. It's all a mindset. And, and yeah, and in fairness, there are those that haven't been blessed with as much health as I have or maybe have it as, but those are really exceptions. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. right. The real exceptions. Ah, right, right. And the other thing is, another thing, it's about keeping your sense of humor through all this. You know, it's like I'm really clear that we're, you know, we're in a serious situation right now. I'm careful and I take that seriously. But if we don't lighten it up, we're going we're gonna to be the ones in our own 
you know, we're the ones in our own way and we're the doom and gloom ones, you know, that's, and it's, to me, it's an exciting time. Mm-hmm. It's an opportunity to really look and see and a lot of stuff is being brought up for a lot of our people, a lot of our participants, a lot of our clients. And we're really encouraging them to go in and dig into all that underneath stuff and look at it, but do it with a lighter heart. There's no question that the COVID virus pandemic, which we're living through right now, has caused people to take hard looks at at everything that they're doing. Yep. Yep. And it's, to me, it's exciting. And I also know, I mean, I'm doing the same thing. I've, I've come up against something that I go, well, look at that, right? And it's, it's time to, let's see how I can adjust that. But there's also just keeping in mind our hearts in that and to smile. And, you know, I have this thing about, you know, if God doesn't have a sense of humor, we're all screwed. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's what keeps us moving forward and not taking ourselves quite so seriously. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, that's right. Well, is there anything else that you have in your future that you're thinking about? I'm just going to keep on keeping on until I can't anymore. <laughs> and that, by, by that, I mean, and I don't want to push it. To, okay, it's just, as long as I can keep on doing and being the way I'm being and full health and having this much fun, that, I mean, I can do that for an eternity. My whole thing is just supporting our courageous messengers, supporting our gang members, supporting Mm -hmm. our elderly to just be seen and be visible while we have your back. Yes. I love that. Right. (laughs) Well, that's, that's great. So Pat, thank you so much. We really enjoyed what you've had to say. And I know people will want to listen to your straight talk videos and will be curious about, your other work that you're doing. So do you have a website? I do. Uh, it's pathoniotis.com. Okay. Right. Very good. And thank you guys so much. This was so much fun. You can tell I love to talk about these things because I get so excited. Thank you so much for the opportunity to share. I appreciate you a lot. Man, thank you, Pat. Our pleasure. Uh, and listeners, we want to hear from you. Please share your thoughts in our Facebook group at Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined. Become an active participant in our community and join us at our Zoom events. You can access our weekly Wednesday podcasts. And if you know a vital woman over 70 who would be a great guest, please recommend her to us at womenover70.com. We'll see you next Wednesday on Women Over 70 Aging Reimagined. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myths that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com.